turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today for Hour 2 of our Southern California broadcast on KKLA 99.5 FM in Los Angeles. We're also on in San Diego, KPRZ AM 1210, FM 106.1 if you're in North County. Great to be with all of you on this election day. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, we have been talking about the election and uh, today, primary election, 18% of you have voted. I want to encourage you to get out there and vote. You know, people have different opinions about why uh, a person should vote, what might be the what drives them to vote? Why should a Christian vote? You know, what are some of the things that maybe we should have on our on our our hearts that are actually biblical? So not just maybe how I feel about it. Sometimes we take an, an issue that we feel strongly about and we 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 take something where maybe there's some nuance or maybe there's room for disagreement and we we will Christianize it. You know, or we will we will turn it into to doctrine. Okay. So for example, um, there is a left and right, even in the Christian world, on issues about immigration and the border, right? So you have one side, particularly on the left usually, who is very concerned about the needs of people coming over the border and migrants, and who will use the scriptures a lot to talk about uh, the Old Testament, how God clearly cares about the, the stranger in your land and the immigrant. And uh, we'll talk about the need to take care of the poor and uh, the oppressed. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, but then there's also the parts of Scripture that talk about the legalities of things and keeping the law and border laws, and those things are meant to protect people, and there's a lot of reason to uh, obey the governing authorities. And, you know, I'm not really getting into that issue, the immigration issue, right at this moment, but what I am getting into is there's probably on both sides of that some places for biblical understanding, because we should be taking care of the oppressed, whichever side of the, the fence that they're on. You know, if one day, let's just say one day, the border is just open and it's a utopia and people can just come and go. There's no border. Nobody cares. Well, there's still going to be poor people to care for who are all coming here. And the church is going to need to care for them. That's going to be part of the role, even if you completely disagree with the decision that was made to do that. Or the opposite. Let's say we decide to just shut down the borders and uh, we get a wall up or we make it electronic, and it's very difficult. Let's say there was a way to make it very difficult to come back and forth. There's still tremendous poverty just a few minutes away. And if you're in San Diego, it's, you know, Chula Vista. Some of you are listening. You're in Tijuana. You know what the difficulty is there. There is still a need for, biblically, for us to care about the poor, whether they're coming to us or whether we go to them. And yes, there's policies and there's arguments that people have to say. One of the interesting things to me that maybe is beginning to happen, and I think that it's important, if we really want to see change, and you can you can call in and, and weigh in on this, 888-528-2557. What are the things that Christians can do when we think about how we interact in society? 
and particularly how we interact when it's a controversial issue or it's something that is really divisive. We are so divided in our country right now over so many things. Studies say that we're more divided now than we've been in since uh, before the Civil War, uh, which is scary, right? And what was happening during the Civil War is people were dividing and dividing and dividing and arming themselves and arming themselves and arming themselves. And our politicians, though, at the same time, were becoming more and more disconnected with what was really happening with the people. Um, President Buchanan, who was the president right before Lincoln, um, even at a time when it was should have been super clear that the nation is going to go to war over the issues related to slavery. Uh, he didn't think so. He thought, ah, it'll be resolved in the courts. It's never going to war. That's one of the reasons that pretty much all historians actually call James Buchanan the worst president we've ever had. And a big part of that is he just wasn't connected with what was going on with the people. He just, he missed it. He uh, uh, he completely did not understand what was going on relationally, not just between North and South, but people in the North and South, even with each other. We were we were just dividing and dividing. And, and it's, you know, when you look back on it, Lincoln would eventually look back on it and say, well, it's because slavery was obviously sinful and grotesque. And uh, when you have that going on, you're going to, you know, the country's going to be torn apart. We probably have some issues like that today. You know, maybe not the same kind of thing as slavery, but I would say that abortion is one of those issues, and we're going to be dealing with that in our country and in our state. You know, eventually this month, the Supremes will give an opinion about abortion. It's either going to be the opinion or one close to it where they overturn Roe versus Wade and send the power back to the states. Uh, it could be that they've changed their mind and they will uphold Roe or they will do less Uh, of what they thought about before. Uh, But one of the things I think that if you try to take some Christian principles, okay, what are the things that if we were to, we're supposed to apply them to each other, right? When Jesus tells us to uh, take the log out of our own eye uh, so that we can see clearly enough to take the speck out of our uh, neighbor's eye, does that apply to uh, politics? Does that apply to how we are with our own party. Uh, In the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus says this here, um, and he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this is how we're supposed to interact with each other, right? So before I come to somebody and confront them of sin, you know, I better be sure that I don't have some kind of glaring sin that's the same or or worse. See, it doesn't mean that uh, I am... Uh, not guilty, and it doesn't mean that I am or even wrong about the person I might be confronting or judging. I might be very well right, but it means that if if I'm burdened by the same sin and I'm judging somebody else but without turning back at myself and going, look, I'm a sinner too, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm right. And it's not going to be effective, basically. You won't see clearly enough. You will, when you're full of unconfessed sin, when you are a person with a lot of struggles, it's very difficult to without bringing that part up, without humbling yourself to that other person to confront somebody. It's just very hard. I have a thought that if we're going to do better as a country, 
then we need to, when it comes to our political action, take some time to even look at our own party and say, hey, maybe we would be more effective if we would take the log out of our own eye before we see clearly enough to take the speck out of the other party's eye. It seems to me that what we are is like, well, we've got problems, but your problems are worse than our problems. And you might say, I agree with that. And I've got opinions, and I would say, yes, I agree. I think, I think that there are people politically who are doing things that are far worse than whatever worst thing is happening on my side. That, that probably, I might even be right about that. But if I can't acknowledge that my side is doing something wrong, if it's always the other side, it's always the other side's problem, then I think this is a reason we're going to stay divided. It's, a, it's an issue of pride. So one of the things that's happening, and we're seeing this in California, is this is, you know, if you're, if you're listening in California, uh, two-thirds of registered voters in California are Democrats. And if you are up in the Bay Area or in the coastal cities, uh, most of the time they're all, they're all blue uh, these days. There's hardly any red anywhere. There are a couple of races this time around, maybe with a low turnout and with people kind of mad at how things are going, especially with crime and other things. There's maybe two Republicans in straight statewide office who have a chance. Uh, and that's only going to happen, though, if all the Republicans, all the independents, and a bunch of Democrats vote for them. Otherwise, if you're in the Democratic Party in this state, you know, you are going to have to, if you're frustrated, you're going to have to vote out other Democrats. Republicans will help you, but they don't have any power. Now, if you're in a red state, you know, say you're in, you know, you're in Utah or you're in Texas or some other big state that it's the same thing for the Republicans. They're probably going to win all the statewide offices. And uh, if they're going to, and if things aren't going well, they're going to have to vote against themselves in order to make things better. It's a thought I have about the principles that are in Scripture and how they might fit with society or even in corporate culture. You know, the place where you work, you know, there's a certain way that you would want to treat each other. Uh, there's a certain way that you want to care uh, for each other. And if people don't treat each other that well, uh, that your corporate culture is going to be bad. And you might have a good product, a good company, but people are going to quit. You're going to have a high turnover. It's just going to be a bad place to work. You don't want that. I think that there are principles that Jesus teaches that are, number one, they're true. They're completely true. But number two, they are, um, you can implement them and they make a difference because they're completely true. 888-528-2557 is the number. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, election day, primary election day here in California. 888-528-2557. Teresa from Burbank, welcome to Southern California Live. For taking my call, um, I'm calling regarding the uh, less fortunate and, and helping those around the world. Yeah. Um, my opinion may not be the most popular one, but um, I'm retired from the military. I live in Burbank now, but I grew up in Missouri. I've been all over the United States and all over the world, so I have a, a pretty good opinion on. Um, the, the the state of the economy and the state of the world. Sure. I've seen quite a bit of of poverty, not only in the United States but all over the world. So my opinion is I, I know we, we give a lot of money and we donate a lot to the world, but one of the things especially I feel that people in California 
are a little closed off to the rest of the United States. And what, what we see here in California, sometimes we forget that the rest of the country is not Beverly Hills and not Rodeo Drive. And so when we're donating to other countries and helping the rest of the world, we may not realize that there are places in the rest of the United States that houses don't have running water. They don't have plumbing that is is working. And so there's a lot of poverty in the United States. Even though we, we're classified as maybe one of the richest countries in the world, which we are, but there's a lot of poverty here in the United States. And I think sometimes we forget about that when we're driving our Mercedes and going down and putting on our expensive watches and, and everything like that. And, you know, we just went through two years of the pandemic where we were paying $6 a gallon for gasoline and, and people are going hungry and we're, we're, we're donating all this money to other countries. I think sometimes we need to, to take care of ourselves first. And I know that's not real popular here. It may not be the most popular opinion, but I think we need to take care of, of ourselves before we're always taking care of everybody else. I think uh, you know. I think you are sharing something really great about the fact that sometimes we don't know about the poverty in our own country. I think you're right in California. There's a lot of poverty in California that's pretty severe in the way you're looking at it, but in the way you're describing. But uh, you said, uh, would you say you were in Missouri uh, part of the time? I, I I grew up in Missouri, and you know, in the Midwest, and and there's a you know when uh, most. For example, in, in Joplin, Missouri, everybody knows of Joplin, Missouri because the tornado was there. I grew up in Neosha, Missouri. Uh, I think it was seven years prior to the big tornado in Joplin. Uh, there was a the same size tornado hit my hometown. It took out my father's house, my brother's house, and my sister's house. It wiped out the whole town. And yeah. the the poverty level there prior to the tornado, two-thirds of the children that went to school were on free lunches. Joplin was the same way, and that's the way a lot of the cities in the Midwest are, and yeah. in the, the South are, and a lot of people, they don't they don't realize that, and it's not uncommon in a lot of the smaller cities um, in the United States, yeah, and it's I think... only, the pandemic has only made it worse. That's true. Uh, Teresa, I appreciate your call. And uh, yeah, I don't think your opinion is uh, that far off from what a lot of people think. I think that there's there's two different kinds of things here. Number one, and we're talking about elections here in the United States and how the politics might affect people who are actually poor, right? So biggest issue in California might even be homelessness and how not just for people who are homeless, but how much money we're spending to really not have success that's definitely on the ballot. We talked about that a lot yesterday, how homelessness in California is on the ballot. And the people in Sacramento are pushing programs that statistically now we know don't work, that are anti-recovery, that are just – they're drawing people from other states not to help them but to just allow them to take drugs. That's what we're seeing. And they die eventually. They just die a little more comfortably, and they're saved from overdose here and there. It's not working. But what you're describing – is some poverty that we have some in California, but you're right, around the United States, there are people without running water. There are people living in what is, 
I wouldn't quite call it some of the poverty that I've seen in uh, some nations that I've been to for mission work, but it's close. Like maybe some of the difference is, is that you can go to a a city that's not too far away and find goods, uh, and there are more people to help. But there is something to be said, I think, about the church in America taking care of the poor in America. And and I think another thing you said that I would say is is very relevant. It is I wonder how many how many of us know this. Just just as a country, how do we? how do we really sense the poverty that is in our, our country? And maybe because we're in California, we don't know. First time I saw extreme poverty in the United States, I was in, uh, I was in New Orleans and uh, I had flown into New Orleans. I was going to visit my sister who lived in uh, Pensacola, Florida. So the, um, I had a cheap flight. Um, I, used to, uh, I used to get bumped off a flight. Do you ever get yourself bumped from a flight and then they give you a voucher for a fl- free flight or something? I used, to, uh, I used to do this all the time. I was traveling from San Diego to San Francisco on a regular basis, and uh, I got myself kicked off a flight like every time. And it was great. I got like three hundred dollar uh, flight voucher. I won't tell you what airline this is, but they operate primarily in the Southwest of the United States, and it was amazing. And uh, the reason I was traveling a lot is I was dating a girl up there long before my wife, and uh, that didn't work out. But the best part about it was is I was able to fly free all around the country after that, so that was a benefit. And so I flew into New Orleans, which is where that airline flew. I had to drive across uh, outside of New Orleans, in Louisiana. And then the other states, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, into Florida. And I stopped off at a few places just to check it out. It's a new place for me. And not too far out of New Orleans, right there, uh, not too far from the, the Gulf Coast, I started to see American tremendous poverty. I was shocked. I'd heard about it, right? I'd read about it. I was in, uh, you know, I'd aware of that. But you're right, people living in in barely what you could call shelters, no running water, maybe not electricity, probably no phone necessarily. You think, ah, I can't be in the United States. Well, it is. And I haven't been to West Virginia, but I hear you hear that up there. There are several different places, and we have poverty right in our own towns, and we're a little bit oblivious to it. This is Southern California Live, by the way. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Earlier this year, uh, Nina Strominger, I think is how you say her name, she asked, as a professor at Wharton, and she asked students what they thought the average American worker makes per year. And 25% of her students thought that the average American made over six figures a year. One of them thought it was $800,000. And it was very shocking for her. She was very depressed. She goes, the real number is 45000 Like her... Her young people in her class, the students, and these are these are students who are supposed to be kind of on the the elite, right? These are students who are going to be the leaders. These are the students who um, we would hope are the ones who are going to go out and solve some of these problems and really address this. They were completely biased. They were completely un. They didn't even believe it. I mean, did did that shock you? That number that I just gave you there. Um, you know, in California, you couldn't live on that. You, you can't even rent a place, um, probably without a roommate. You can't with a roommate in some places of California, you can. Okay. But coastal cities, most of us who are listening in this, uh, listening area here in Southern California, uh, that's not enough. Uh, in some parts of the country you can do okay. 
uh, for sure, these are things that are on the ballot. See, and this is what I'm getting at here, is that, you know, to bring us back to elections, one of the things I think that will help us is, and one of the reasons I think actually we are oblivious to some of the stuff is because we've become so partisan, we don't actually look at what's happening. And we'll, we'll vote for our team and we'll say, well, even though my team isn't successful at helping people who are poor or helping whatever the issue is, they're better than the other guy because the other guy is just worse. And I think that's the wrong way about it. So what's, what I think might be encouraging is this. In this election here in California, and where I mentioned at the top of the hour, we're, we're Democratic, okay, where this is a Democrat state. If you're a Republican, you are outnumbered two to one. All right, if you ever wonder why Republicans don't win, well, that's because uh, you know, in the Bay Area, they vote 80, 90 percent in the Bay Area counties Democrat. Well, the Bay Area county counties are getting ready to oust some Democrats. And it's kind of funny because those people running the, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Shea Bowden, Bodine in the, he's the district attorney in San Francisco. Uh, he might be on his way out today. We'll see. It's a recall election. And he's claiming that it's just some kind of Republicans who are trying to get rid of him. And it's laughable. It's laughable. It's expected that maybe 6%, 6, 6%, single digit, 6% of the vote will be Republican. The majority of votes, if they vote him out, are going to be Democrats. And it's Democrats voting out Democrats. Now, the problem for the Democrats up there is that if they just replace him with somebody with a different name but the same philosophy, they're going to have the same problems. And there will be no more CVSs and no more Walgreens because everything in there is stolen. Uh, no more malls, no more shopping centers because you, you, know, you can't buy stuff because uh, it just gets stolen. They're trying to correct that, and you've got to go after the politicians who are, who are making the rules that way. But I'm, I'm looking at that as something that is hopeful, that maybe it's something that the parties across the country, if we don't like how things are going on, then maybe we take a look at our own side first. Take a look at our own side and we go, you know what, this could be better. We could have better Democrats or better Republicans and better governors. And maybe it even then it goes to another place where it's like, well, maybe we don't just vote for our side. Maybe we find the right candidate. Who's the candidate who believes what's true? Who's the candidate? See, and I think this gets into the biblical side of it. What's the candidate that's going to uphold, not just say that they are a Christian or say that they have certain beliefs, but have a, a worldview that is accurate? If they're Christian, do they have really have a biblical worldview or are they just trying to get Christians to vote for them? But what's their worldview? Do you have a worldview that there is right and wrong, that there is a God? Do you have a worldview that I think in this country you, you really have to have to govern well that says we're a nation that is under God? that our rights come from a creator. If our rights don't come from a creator, then our rights only come from government and government can take them away. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to come back and I keep promising you, I'll give you the uh, the reasons that a uh, writer in the LA Times thinks that you aren't voting today, but I hope that you do. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557 is the number. I'll be right back with that. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live on Tuesday. I'll see you in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. And he's writing about reasons why people aren't voting. Only 18% so far of Californians have turned in their ballot. I'm going to check to see if it's still 18%. It kind of trickles up a little bit. Yep, still 18%. A very low turnout. So it depends. It depends on on how many people are actually going out today. Um, We had a bunch of calls in the last hour about this. One person said that she waited an hour and a half up in Ventura County. 
So a lot of people voting up there, but everywhere, everywhere else, people, um, if you were voting in person, uh, it was really quick. That 18 percent would would be a lot of people who mailed their ballot in early. Uh, hopefully you'll still get out and vote. I want to encourage you to do that. Make sure you know who you're voting for. Uh, you were also sent in the mail, you know, a sample ballot and an entire booklet uh, called the Primary Election uh, Booklet, Vote Safe, Cal- it's the official voter information. You know, there's a lot of reading, but you should you should read it. You know, check out who these candidates are. Go to their websites. Uh, take the time uh, to vote and to vote well. Anyway, people aren't doing that. And uh, Steve Lopez's article is kind of tongue-in-cheek here as he talks about it. Uh, the number one reason people aren't going to vote today. Ready? Uh, it's a nice day. Which, by the way, is the number one reason people don't go to church on Sunday. Sometimes as a, uh, a pastor, I say the same thing. You know, in Southern California, it's like, you know what? Uh, people get up and they're like, should we go to church today? I don't know. It's a nice day. Let's go to the beach. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. Go to an early service. There was a, a friend of mine had a 7.30 in the morning church service and it was packed. And it was packed full of people who wanted to go to the beach. At least you, you could do both, right? What I would tell you is go out and vote. Uh, he says, it's a nice day today. Plus, America's Got Talent is streaming on Hulu, and there are only so many hours in the day. Uh, <clears throat> that's pretty funny. Um, uh, number two, you didn't know there was an election. Am, am I the one telling you there's an election today? Today's the day. Uh, he writes this, which I thought was kind of funny. He goes, you, you heard something about it, but then your friend came over, and you got busy talking about high rent, traffic, homelessness, water shortages, crime and all the other stuff somebody ought to do something about. But then your cousin's boyfriend Instagrammed a cool meme involving his neighbor's chihuahua and you went down a social media rabbit hole. All of a sudden, another day was gone. I'll bet, <laughs> I'll bet there are some people that that's true for, where they're really interested in voting, but you're going to sit down in front of your TikTok and you're going to do that for four hours and suddenly the day is gone. Your phone, if you have a smartphone, it has on it an app somewhere in the settings, at least mine does, that will give you your screen time. You can even have it shut down if you're good enough to figure it out. So I've read, I haven't been able to do that, but you can actually have it so it it will tell you your screen time and it can be horrifying some days. I find that to be really helpful because if that gets really high, then I'm like, oh, I'm staring at my phone way too much. You got to have the discipline. You know, one of the best things I ever did on my phone, and I would encourage you to do this. If you think you're wasting time on your phone, one of the best things I ever did was shut off notifications. You don't need those Facebook notifications. You don't need those Instagram notifications. You don't need your your every single email popping up at that moment because that just distracts you. This ding, 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 thing goes off or whatever your sound effect is. And uh, you're trying to focus. You're trying to get some work, but somebody liked your Facebook thing, so you got to go check it out and who it is. And somebody commented on your Instagram, you got to do that. The greatest thing I did was shut all those off. Uh, now, the, maybe the better thing would be not even to have your social media. We've talked about that before. Uh, and I hardly ever post on it anymore. And I think it helped me. It helped me to shut those things off because I immediately started to care less. And mostly what I post on there is just going to be some advertisement for this show. Hey, tune in and listen, or it's going to be some smart aleck thing or a family picture or something once in a while. But, uh, you know, if you find that you are distracted or you find that you're just not being productive, or as this writer is saying from the LA Times, you're not going to vote today because you got distracted by the social media, turn off those notifications. What you can do then is you can sit down later and go, I think I will check to see how my post is doing. And then you can go open up the Twitter machine or whatever and get back to people and you see them all at once. 
but you get that done all at once. That's just a thing. Go to your phone right now. I think it's a smart thing. Uh, and uh, turn off the notifications. You don't need them. You can do it later. And whatever people say, if they text you, you don't have to text back immediately. Maybe if it's like your boss or something critical, but even your boss is probably reasonable enough to know that you may not be staring at your phone all all day long. Do it. It'll help you. See, we can give you some, we can take, we can take these issues of the day and give you something practical to do. You should, if you're going to have notifications, set an alarm for like Bible reading. You can download a Bible app. You, there is no excuse today for not having your Bible with you. If you've got a smartphone, you know, Bible app for free, you can do reading plans and it, you can set up the reading plan to start annoying you if you haven't done your reading for the day. See, there, there's a value to certain things. Go ahead and do that. Uh, number three reason for why you aren't voting today, he says, you don't know where you live. <laughs> he said, you heard that Karen Bass and Rick Caruso and Kevin DeLeon are running for mayor of Los Angeles and you live here, but you don't see their names on your ballot. So what gives? Have you had that experience? I hate it when that happens, where there's some race that I'm following and I'm really interested in it. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm not in that district or this year they moved districts. So you might be not able to vote for the same people. We had the census in 2020 and you may not be able to vote for the same people that you think you're going to vote for because they moved. They're in a different district. They're across the street now and you got to vote for somebody else. Um, He writes here, it's possible that you were sent the wrong ballot. I hope that that's not true. Um, Or it's more likely that you live in Burbank or Calabasas or Hawthorne or Huntington Park, which have their own mayors. And uh, you're going to vote for those people and uh, you will not be voting for the mayor of Los Angeles. Or if you live in... uh, in San Diego, you will not be voting for the mayor of Los Angeles. That's just not how it works. Number four, uh, you're too cool for school. Um, I hope that's not anybody. He says the whole system is messed up and nothing ever gets fixed anyway, so your vote is meaningless. I asked you earlier this week, you know, how you feeling about your, your voting yesterday a little bit, and last week we talked about that. You know, we had a lot of callers who say, you know what, I'm discouraged from voting because I feel like uh, my vote doesn't count or I'm in a state where it's heavily one side or the other, so either my side is always going to win so it doesn't matter, or my side is always going to lose so it doesn't matter. Um, can I encourage you? There's a whole bunch of things on your ballot. You know, Yes, maybe maybe those top-tier people, they're not going to make a difference. Um, sometimes I vote for myself, you know, or I vote for the guy across from me on some of those ballot you know, things that I think are, are not going to be close. Um, here's some, he goes, in fact... Were you, hipped, you were hip to this way back in 2016 when you skipped the Trump versus Hillary because they were both capitalist tools, virtually indistinguishable politically. <laughs> They're very different. It could be Trump versus Hillary again. That's not out of the question. Did you know that? Did you know that some people are predicting that, that if Donald Trump runs, very likely he gets the nomination? That depends on how that Hollywood show, I guess, turns out about January 6th later this week. I think because they're making it a show, it's probably going nowhere. Uh, and then he's going to announce that he's running. Hillary could run. And the thing is, is that, you know, people used to say, they used to say, well, she'll never run again because she'll be too old, but she's, she's younger than Biden is. And uh, so in two years, she'll be, she'll be younger than President Biden. There was probably a conversation. I believe it. I believe there's been a conversation with Bill and Hillary that probably they discussed it. And Bill probably said, now, now, look, honey, uh, you know, Biden, he's he's older than you. If you think you're too old, look at him. Nobody thought he had a chance to look at it. He's the president of the United States. I think you can still do it. Don't doubt me. That conversation has occurred. Uh, I think that has happened. Who knows? You got to get out there and vote. That's why you vote in primaries, by, by the way. 
primaries is where you pick the candidates who will vote, who you will vote for or against coming up in the fall. If you want better candidates, which is something I think is hugely important, better candidates, you have to deal with it in the primaries. That's where you get the better candidate. That's where there's a whole bunch of people to vote for and you vote for the better person. Um, Number five, they make it so complicated. Uh, It used to be that you were assigned a polling place and a uh, rec center and a school or a neighbor's garage, and you just knew where you were supposed to go, easy as pie, but now it's so confusing. See, he's being kind of snarky here because of the mail ballot. It's supposed to be easy, but I think as we proved last hour, it actually might be more complicated now that you don't know where to go. It just might actually be, you know what, and I found it to be more complicated. I would rather just go down to the same house down the street that it has always been in, and I walk in and I make my smart aleck remarks and I vote and uh, I leave. Uh, That's gone. Anyway, I thought it was a funny article in there. And uh, hopefully you don't have one of these excuses for voting. You still have some time. You can go do it after after work if you're still working. If you don't have your ballot, that's fine. Just go in and say, I don't have my ballot. They will give you one. And, uh, you know, you don't have to vote for every person. Vote for the candidates who you know. Vote for the ones who you really want to vote for. And uh, you don't have to vote in every single category. Just vote uh, for the people that you want to vote for. I think if people did that, people did that more often, we would have better candidates. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. We'll be right back with something that just came out in the news yesterday, a cancer treatment that is wildly successful. And I thought it was kind of a hopeful sign. I'll tell you about that as soon as we get back. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today. You can join the conversation. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. This weekend, Sunday, a... uh, a presentation was given about a new cancer drug, and it was a, a clinical trial that was published, published trial in the New England Journal of Medicine. And something amazing happened in this trial, this cancer drugs trial. There was remission in every patient, 100%. And, you know, it's still too early to get terrifically excited about this, I think, if you're a cancer patient or if you're worried about it. And I know that uh, so many of you, probably most of you, have dealt with that in your family. I have. And... Um, you know, lots of us, um, most of us, in fact, are going to deal with it uh, either personally if we live long enough or uh, somebody that we know and love. So the cancer, you know, the cancer reports, they they matter. Imagine what would happen if there really is a drug like a wonder drug that just reversed what's happening in your cells and destroys the cancer. That is what is happening in this particular drug. 18 cancer patients, rectal cancer patients, took the same drug. And the cancer vanished in every single patient. Undetectable is from the New York Times. Undetectable by physical exam and endoscopy, uh, the PET scan, PET scan, or MRI scans. They can't find it. That's amazing. And they use the word unprecedented, which we probably overuse that word these days because lots of things are precedented when we when we say they're unprecedented, but they're not. They're precedented. But this, uh, they believe the doctor who one of the doctors who's in charge of this trial says that he believes that this is the first time this has happened in the history of cancer. 
And I thought that's pretty exciting. They entered the study thinking that when it was over, they would, these same people, so 18 people go into the study. And uh, these are people, that, and I've read some of the, the more scientific documents on it. So it, it's not every cancer. It's people who have a particular genetic signature in their tumors, okay? So it's something very narrow that they were looking at, but it could be something that you have to deal with one day. The amazing thing is that they they went into the study. And if you went into a clinical trial, you know, I know somebody who's in a cancer tr- clinical trial right now. It didn't work. And uh, we're pretty sad about that. But uh, but he's gone through already the chemotherapy and radiation and old, other treatments. And he's going to go through more rounds of that now that that trial is over. And that's kind of the expectation. And I understand that, you know, end of life, especially issues that you'd be willing, you know, I would be willing, I think, to try something experimental. And... Um, they went into the study thinking that they would still have to undergo the procedures in this particular cancer uh, if the chemo doesn't work and radiation doesn't work, even even if it does or partially works, you still have to go through a pretty difficult surgery and a surgery that's that's life-changing, okay, for rectal cancer, and I think you can figure out what that is. They got a big surprise. No further treatment was necessary. And none of the patients had clinically significant complications either. So I don't know. I read the story and I thought, you know, we don't, we don't hear these stories as often. I'm pretty hopeful about that. I hope that uh, there are some great advances in, in medicine. You know, all the different things that are going on. And we have a lot of reasons where we, we don't really trust kind of uh, the CDC. And by we, I don't mean just people who have just some differing opinions. The CDC itself, did you know this? They put out a report. Um, talking about how even internally they're struggling because a lot of the politics with coronavirus and the different things going on. The CDC put out something today saying that they think that people should wear masks on airplanes again because of the uh, monkeypox. Uh, but at the same time, they warn that the monkeypox is most prevalent uh, among men who are having intimate relations with men, and I won't describe that. Um, I'm not really sure what the mask, how the mask helps on the airplane. Uh, and I won't get into that either, but, you know, those kinds of things I think make us worry. It makes me worry that our scientific community is not making progress in some areas where they could, but then a story like this comes out. I think it's great. I think, you know, and maybe they're going to have the the stories very, very careful in saying that this is too small of a trial, that they're going to need to do more and more trials, that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be different nuances and different types of tumors that they'll try to treat but I think it's very positive. And they describe, you know, imagine you're that cancer patient and you're maybe thinking, I don't have a lot of hope here. And it says, we look at your scans and the doctor says to you, there's absolutely no cancer and you didn't need any further treatment. Uh, that's amazing. One patient said, I told my family and they didn't even believe me. So I think that that is, is a very positive thing. You know, as we, we get into the elections and election year, I've been thinking a lot about it. You know, and after today, you know, there'll be maybe a cool down for a little bit, but then we're going to have Supreme Court stuff. We've got, I don't know if the January 6th hearings are going to mean anything at all or not that are coming up. Uh, I don't even know what anybody's expectation. I kind of figure unless there's something blockbuster in there, then um, we're not going to hear anything new. And they're going to be pretty one-sided. CNN was reporting that today that we're not even going to hear opposing points of view on things. Can you play, this is from CNN today. Can you play clip number one, uh, Wilbert? Do we have that uh, CNN clip? All right. So CNN is uh, 
reporting. What's going to happen is then on uh, Thursday night, there's going to be a prime time, prime time, which I don't, I don't remember if we ever had hearings, congressional hearings in prime time uh, on like network TV. Uh, do people still do that? They, they hired a guy who is a Hollywood producer to produce these. Okay. Uh, they, they hired a former top boss at ABC news to be a quote, secret advisor, James Goldston, who's going to put together this program. And it kind of makes me laugh because they put it, it's going to be a Thursday night. And I'm wondering, is this guy like not been around for a while? And he still thinks that Thursday night TV is the night for TV. I remember that as a kid, we had a VHS tape that we, we labeled on the outside of the VHS tape, just said Thursday night. And it's because Thursday night was just awesome television. You would watch the Cosby show and there was friends and there was cheers and uh, what came on after? No, Family Ties, Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, and uh, Night Court when I was a kid. Remember any of those shows? <laughs> some of you do, some of you don't. Cheers is hilarious, that, that program. Um, all those were fun. And we used to record those, you know, every, every Thursday night. When I, was a real, when I was a real little kid, we had Friday nights. We had Wonder Woman, The Dukes of Hazard, The Incredible Hulk. And uh, I think The Incredible Hulk was on after Wonder Woman. The Incredible Hulk would end, and there was always this sad piano music as David Banner would be walking down the street because he would get he would turn into the Hulk and he'd destroy some town, and he would be the hero. You know, he would save you know the the person in distress from the bad guy every time. But in the course of that, as the Hulk, he destroyed the town, so he was asked to leave town. And there was a sad music, the credits are rolling. It's this guy walking down the street. It's David Banner with his. It was David Banner, not Bruce Banner, in that program with his satchel. Anyway. That's TV. So I'm wondering, do, do people still watch TV, like network TV in big numbers, or is this guy just off? Anyway, we're going to have this thing, and uh, uh, this is what CNN had to say about it. Roll that. The committee's going to have a, have a lot of attention. This is a primetime hearing that's going to take place at 8 o'clock. There could be as many as six or seven more hearings after that. Uh, and it's largely going to be a controlled message, even though there are Republicans on the panel uh, these Republicans and Democrats are working in unison. That means there's going to be no opposition voices during these hearings. See, uh, you know, and we're not going to talk about that now. We've got to be done here in just a minute. We'll talk about it later this week when that hearing happens and get your thoughts about it. But when I hear that, there's not going to be the other side. You're not going to hear people who testify against one side. Or the, that's not a hearing. That's just a a show. And I'm not giving you an opinion about it. I, you know, if there's something blockbuster, I want to know. But I have a hunch that we've already heard everything and people probably have already taken sides and I don't know. Those things discourage me. But what I, I'm getting at here, and as we, we think about these politics, there are still some good things happening. And if there's cancer drugs coming out that wipe it out, this trial is suggesting that maybe this cancer drug actually returns your, your tissue to healthy tissue. I mean, that's a miracle. And, you know, this is something that, uh, we, you know, we've prayed for a lot. Scientists have been working on this forever. And, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly how God's hand is in this kind of thing. But I like to believe that God enjoys it when his creature, to use an old theological term, but when mankind is able to discover how things work and is able to make advances. I think God enjoys that, you know, with us. He wants our hearts. He wants us to know him. He wants to save us uh, through Jesus Christ. For sure, that's what God wants. But I think he enjoys and is glorified. Scientists used to glorify, many still do, but they used to glorify God when they'd make these discoveries of things. I hope that we go back to that. I think that's part of the national repentance. 
that is necessary, that even in scientific communities that we recognize that when we make a discovery, we're not discovering something that God didn't already know. We are using the gifts that we have, the capabilities that we have to learn something that that was already in existence. We just learned it and how glorifying to God that is, who is the creator, who knows everything. I think God enjoys that. I enjoy that. Anyway, that's something that's very hopeful for you. And as you think about, you know, you might be watching news channels tonight for the election if you're into it, or maybe you just turn it off. There's discouraging things. There might be exciting things. Maybe there'll be some surprises today. That's possible in a low turnout. Um, but make sure your hope is in Jesus Christ. Make sure that if there's some surprise and you think it's really great news for California, great news for LA, great news for San Diego, wherever you live, you know, maybe it is great news. That's fantastic. But as followers of Jesus, whoever wins today, uh, whoever it turns out, maybe we won't know for a week as they wait for some ballots to show up. Um, our hope remains in Jesus Christ, no matter what. And that is what we're about. If you don't know who Jesus is, you want to know more about him, you could email me, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com is how you can reach out to the show, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Love to hear from you that way. I'm Scott Furrow, and uh, we're here every day from 3 to 5, every weekday from 3 to 5, right here in KKLA 99.5 in Los Angeles and in San Diego on KPRZ 1210 AM, 106.1 FM if you are in North County. And we love to have your your input. Great discussion today. I was encouraged by everybody's thoughts about voting. If you haven't voted today, I encourage you to do that. You don't need to vote for people you don't if you don't know anything about the race. You know, I skipped a few on mine. I, you know, I didn't know those judges and other things. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to look at every single one of those people, although I normally do. But get out there and, and vote. Your vote, especially in a low turnout, it's weighed a lot more heavily. You're, you have a lot more say than normal if it turns out that the vote is low. So get out there and take the time to vote. You've got to have that done by 8 o'clock tonight. God bless you. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow.